0: I'm Kelsey Ryder. I'm Natalia Raymond. And this is Angelino's In Training. A podcast for people curious about Los Angeles.
1: By people who live in Los Angeles.
0: So whether you're moving here, new to the area, or just
1: want to better understand LA, we're here to help you navigate the city of angels.
0: Hello and welcome back to Angelinos In Training. This is a little appetizer episode, a between seasons little special episode to get us ready to release season two. So once again, I am Natalia Raymond and my co-host, of course,
1: is Kelsey Ryder. This season we'll be able to actually go to places in LA together because we're vaccinated and the world's opening up a little bit more. We have decided to do a more centralized
0: focus for our season two. We're going to focus on education and learning. So uh, this is going to be a more educational podcast. We already feel like some of our episodes that our audience really liked were the more learning and education-focused episodes, so we want to embrace it.
1: Yes, and always put our personal spin and experience within it so real people who live in Los Angeles can educate you about their experience, and your mileage may vary, but we're really excited to share all the things we love about LA and even the things that frustrated us about LA because, you know, no city is perfect. We will be introducing even a new name for the podcast, just so that we have a clearer objective that all audiences can understand, not just people who live in Los Angeles. So our new name is going to be Los Angeles 101. A 101 class, but even, you know, a fun little inside joke with the 101 freeway that is Natalie and my favorite freeway. If you've listened to our LA favorites, you'll hear why. <laughs>
0: yes so we wanted to just make the focus on learning uh more obvious from our title while angelino's in training definitely was a fun little catchy title we worried that the name might be hard to search for Mm -hmm. angelino is a very weird word to spell and we wanted to uh, just build our audience as much as we could And have a title that was easy to read, (laughs) bell, and remember. And in this next season, we're going to do a mixture of history slash debunking episodes. Mm -hmm. As a lot of you probably know if you listened to our first season, we did a lot of history informational type episodes. We're going to do more of those. And we're also going to be doing episodes focused on popular LA landmarks that we now can actually go to. So that's going to be very exciting. I'm so looking forward to it. We'll get in depth into the information about the different landmarks and we'll get to visit them ourselves and actually hang out with each other in person. All right. So one of the things we wanted to introduce for the next season is uh, some new segments. So Kelsey, why don't you introduce us to uh, one of our intro segments that we want to try for the next season?
1: I want everybody to get to know us a little bit more and just who we are as people. And every single episode we record, Natalia and I typically have a cup of tea, both of us, just to start the recording, because we're big fans of tea. We've mentioned that before. We've talked about it. I have in my cup today, it's going to be the segment's going to be called What's in Your Cup? And in my cup today, I have Tower of London by... Harney and Sons tea. It is a black tea that has essence of honey and vanilla with some oatly oat milk because I still live in LA and I have my alternative milks. (laughs) Lovely. Yes, I love it. It's I've become a very bougie tea person. I get I turn up my nose at Mm -hmm. at Lipton these days. But what's in your cup, Natalia? So in my cup today...
0: I have Earl Grey tea by the brand Stash. Ooh, yeah. That's a Portland tea. Mm -hmm. I I guess it's technically Earl Grey is a British type of tea, isn't it? It is. But is Stash a Portland brand? Yes. You know what we should do? We should find a Los Angeles tea maker.
1: There is an awesome Los Angeles tea maker called Art of Tea. And they are local and they're very big on sourcing ethical uh, tea making practices so that the workers are getting a living wage. and and they're they're definitely very bougie. I've only tried their Huntington tea because I saw them for sale at the Huntington Gardens. They're very much about local LA and kind of being inspired by that. but then also having like your basic teas. We're ready to educate you on something that Natalia is super excited to talk about. I'm excited to talk about too, but why don't you introduce our topic today?
0: Of course. So today, our topic is background acting. It's also known as atmosphere work. Basically, what background is, is you know how whenever you watch a movie or television show, you see your actors doing their thing uh, really close to the camera, but behind them, You'll see different people walking around or Mm -hmm. pretending to talk or doing different things that just make the scene look more alive and lifelike. All of those people that are back there, those are the background. So background acting is a popular way to make money in Los Angeles, and it's a way that a lot of people get started in the entertainment industry. You might recall that in some of our past episodes – people have mentioned background acting. Mm -hmm. Uh, In our transportation episode, Christopher Gilstrap talked about how that's a way he's made money in Los Angeles. Paul Zechariah in our production and PA work episodes talked about how that work helped him in starting his production career. But now we're going to get into the nitty gritty of how does one become a background actor and is it a good
1: thing to do? I started out doing background I actually my first background gig was when I was four years old I was in a movie that was filmed in Portland I've done background for commercials movies industry films for full-length feature films for regular tv shows for tv shows that it's like their first season tv shows that it's they their 10th season so i've had a really good variety and the majority of that's all from los angeles like a few from portland but mostly from los angeles
0: and i like to think of myself as a bit of an expert on this topic mm-hmm. because not only have i done background in the past but i also cast a lot of background you do because as people may or may not be aware i am actually a casting director I've done casting in Los Angeles since 2016 and I've cast so many background <laughs> over the years. In fact, I was casting background just yesterday and I'm <laughs> gearing up to cast background on yet another movie. Wow. Doing it constantly, people ask me questions about it constantly and actually one of the reasons why I wanted to do this episode is because I get so many questions about how to get started in background so that in the future, when people ask me those questions, I can just forward them this podcast episode. (laughs) So saves me a little work later on. But I found that actually, recently, a lot of people have asked me about how to get started in production assistant work. And it's been amazing to just be able to send over the episode that we did with Paul yeah, so that people can just get that information right away. So I'm really hoping that this episode is going to be able to help people uh, plan for how to start their entertainment careers. And even if people are not in the entertainment industry, it's just fun to look behind the curtain. It's fun to see you know, what actually goes into making a television show or a film. So I'm hoping that... Regardless of what you um, do in the entertainment industry, or even if you're just someone who enjoys hearing about it from the comfort of your home (laughs) and you have nothing to do with the entertainment industry whatsoever, I hope that uh, this gives you a cool little behind-the-scenes look into the world of background acting. So I'd like to give a definition of background, (laughs) and this definition... Is actually taken from Wikipedia. So thank you, Wikipedia. Wikipedia. (laughs) So just gotta credit them and all of their users. Mm -hmm. Background. Background are non speaking performers who fill the background of a TV show or film to create a realistic and visually pleasing environment. The key aspect is that they are non speaking and usually not the focus of the scene and are usually booked on short notice without auditioning after all other aspects of the shoot are planned. So the key difference between a background actor and a principal actor is the contract they're working under and the way they're getting paid. There are many principal actors who don't speak any lines whatsoever, but they have a principal actor Sag after a contract oh. that will guarantee them a much higher rate than the background actor. In fact, there are some scenes in some movies and television shows where someone who you think is background is actually a principal actor, but the difference is the way that they are getting paid. Mm, a good mm-hmm. example is there is a scene in the television show Glow where there was a stripper character who was never even Uh. in focus. You never even saw her well. However, that actress who was playing the stripper was paid over a grand for that day, being paid under a guest star contract, which is a principal actor, Mm -hmm. never spoke a word of dialogue, never even was in focus with the camera, but she was considered a principal actor. So, the the lines are very, very blurred, mm-hmm. but when you get down to it, the core difference is the kind of contract mm-hmm. that the person is working under and the way that they are getting paid. Most of the time, background actors, you know, are not the focus of the scene. They're getting paid a lot less. Principal actors often are speaking, getting paid a lot more, but there are times where the lines are blurred. So one thing that's very important to be aware of on set is that when the crew is referring to actors, whenever they call someone an actor, they are not including the background under that umbrella term. When they say actor, they are speaking to the principal cast, the cast who have those principal contracts for the speaking roles or for these roles that are considered principal roles that may not be speaking. Those are the actors. And so when you are on set, you will hear about the group of talent who are referred to as background and the group of talent that are referred to as actors. Mm -hmm. So that is very, very important to hear about. Now, I don't particularly love that because, of course, there is the acting aspect to background. But just be aware of that. That's something very important to hear about. It is. So they'll say things like, okay, background, this area is for you. This area is for the actors that is the difference there.
1: yeah they'll they'll literally address you as background here in LA it's how they'll direct you sometimes well and Paul mentioned this the principal actors could even be called first team occasionally too but that's usually when like the pas are communicating to each other when like one is on the way like if you think of stereotypical, Presidential films when they're like, the eagle has landed, but basically the, the term is first team. <laughs> yeah, first team can be used as a code name mm-hmm. for the principal actors. But don't get confused when they say actor and they're not referring to you. They mean background. <laughs> it's an important point. Natalia, will you give us a brief history of background?
0: Yes. So I was very surprised when I was researching this because... I don't know. It just wasn't what I expected whatsoever, <laughs> really. I kind of I kind of think of early film as not having a lot of background. But there's actually been a lot of background history going back all the oh, way yeah. to the beginning of narrative film. So um, even back at the beginning of the entertainment industry, background was considered a way to break into the film industry. Yep. And to be honest, back then it was a lot easier to break into the film industry through background than it is today. Yeah. You actually could get noticed in the background and be given a line on set way more often than it happens today. Background work, though, was it was a very different process to actually get the work as a background than it is today. Often, you know, they would just wait outside the gates of the studios. Someone would come out, and they would go, okay, I need uh, 20 gentlemen to be playing staff on a ship. Okay, you, 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 Mm -hmm. you, you. rest of you go home. That kind of thing. There's scenes of that in the television show Hollywood, which, uh, meh, I didn't love the show, but some of you might find it interesting. (laughs) But there actually were a lot of people back then who would pay money to private casting agencies to get background work. So there were people paying money to make money back then. And because of that, uh, there was a lot of fear of exploitation in uh, background work. So in 1923, even before central casting (laughs) was even created... There was already a movie about background work that really put background work into public opinion, made the public aware of it way, way before the Ricky Gervais television show Extras. Mm -hmm. It was a silent comedy film called The Extra Girl, and it was directed by F. Richard Jones, and it was uh, actually produced by someone you may remember named max Sennett. we referred to him in some of our hollywood history episodes he was kind of the king of comedy mm-hmm. in los angeles the king of silent comedy and it was a film about a small town girl who moves to hollywood to pursue acting and becomes an extra all kinds of chaos <laughs> ensues eventually there's a happy ending yada yada but there was actually
1: a movie about extra work yeah. in 1923, which just blows my mind. That is totally. crazy. Because it's kind of like, how would you know that the general audience even understands what that is? So it's, it's mm-hmm. fun that they actually made it into something.
0: There was a lot of fear about exploitation in the world of background work. And so a guy named Wills Hayes, who was president of the Motion Picture Producers and Distributors of America... He decided to do some studies into the work conditions of background actors. He had people uh, just check out, okay, who is working? What are conditions like for them? How are they getting paid? All of these different things. He was very, very worried about the exploitation. And the findings for these studies shocked a lot of these executives in Hollywood They found that there were tons of violations of labor laws. And a lot of these violations actually happened with workers who were minors or females. Wow. A lot of women and children were getting exploited. As we know, exploitation in Hollywood is not a new thing. (laughs) but um, Deep roots. A lot of these... A lot of these executives were worried about this. They wanted to protect the background actor and I'm sure also protect their own asses against lawsuits and things
1: like <laughs> that. I'm sure there was some self-serving. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't just of it. out of the goodness of their hearts that everybody's getting a fair yeah, shake. maybe
0: I'm cynical, but I feel
1: like there has to be a self-serving. No, I'm a little cynical too. Yeah, I'm, su- I'm sure that they were trying to protect themselves.
0: So the Motion Picture Producers and Distributors of America decided that the way to solve this would be to centralize background casting. Mm -hmm. Just have there be one main background casting agency that would service all of the productions in Hollywood so that there would be one legitimate way for people to find employment. And of course, this led in 1925 to the founding of Central Casting. They did not try to get super creative with the name of the agency. (laughs) They just said, we're going to centralize it, so we're going to call it Central Casting. And so this was the effort by the motion picture producers and distributors of America to regulate the people who tried to work as background. So they wanted to make sure that they'd be paid legitimately and get more steady work. Yeah, Central Casting is almost 100 years old. Yeah. Wowza. Isn't that nuts to think about? So from 1946 until 1992, background actors in film and television had their own union. They were largely represented by the Screen Extras Guild. Yeah. So you could join the Screen Extras Guild and the Screen Actors Guild. That was yet another example of the division between actors and background (laughs) actors that has existed in Hollywood for a long time. So the Screen Extras Guild was dissolved in 1992, legally dissolved in 1994, and the background actors ended up joining the Screen Actors Guild. So now both background actors and principal actors are represented by the Screen Actors Guild. Right. So that that tends to add a little bit more legitimacy, I think, to background work. So, Kelsey, I would love for you to walk us through a typical day as background. Absolutely. Tell us about what would happen.
1: So generally, as background, whether in Los Angeles or some other major city or even a small town where they could potentially be filming and need some some local color, some local people to fill out the background, you'll originally sign up and get instructions from whoever is casting you within this background work and you'll... You will drive to the location where you'll be parking or however you're getting to the location. And you'll be checking in at a place called Base Camp. You'll you'll check in with the PA. You will fill out a voucher with your name and your information. And that proves that you checked in by a certain time. They'll even have a time on there. Because you want to make sure that you're arriving 15 minutes before your call time. Because the call time is like, we're getting you moving on set. We're sending you in through everywhere. So you want to have that extra time to just, you know get your legs and figure out where you are. So after you check in, they'll typically have you go through wardrobe first to check and see. You'll usually be responsible to bring your own clothing and they'll usually want you to bring three options depending on what they're using you for that day. So after you go through wardrobe and your wardrobe is approved, you'll go through hair and makeup. And if you're a woman or female presenting, they will likely ask you to do your own makeup before you even get there, possibly even do your own hair. If it's for a period piece, they're going to make you put rollers in your hair and sleep in them. And oh boy, that's obnoxious. I do not know how the women of the 50s and the 60s (laughs) survived through that. I found some more comfortable options, but it's a huge pain. But sometimes that's just part of the gig. So once your makeup has been approved or has been applied or adjusted and your hair as well, then you go sit and potentially you may be allowed to have breakfast. You may not. Usually they'll say you must come having had, which is like having had food. Sometimes you'll have to buy your own lunch at, like, their cafeteria or bring your own lunch to eat. Food isn't always guaranteed to be provided for you. When it is, it's awesome because then you're just, like, you're getting paid and you're also getting a free meal, which is a huge bonus when you're just starting out in Los Angeles, particularly. So... After you sat, then typically a PA or maybe even the uh, second assistant director and they're in charge of the background and in charge of the PAs who are also in charge of the background will tell you what the scene is, what you're going to go in and do, and then they'll let you know when they're going to come out and call you. Sometimes they'll have an idea of the time that it's going to take to get you onto set. Sometimes they don't because all sorts of things can happen. So you definitely have to bring quiet activity things for you to do in the meantime while you're waiting uh, to get on to set. So bring a book, bring headphones, bring a charger. You may be able to charge your phone. You may not. Just count on it not being there. Bring a portable one. And then when you finally do get on set, you'll be told very quickly what you're about to do in the scene. Sometimes they will tell you and then they're immediately starting to roll. Usually they'll give you a chance to just kind of get to know the atmosphere because usually it's your first time seeing set. And then there'll be a PA directing you through the scene. So like one will like maybe lightly push your back to get you to start walking or they'll po- they'll point at you because you can't make any sound. It's the most important thing. They will tell you to fake talk in scenes. Like if you're at a cafe or at a restaurant, and you're supposed to be talking to the person next to you. You're not actually talking out loud. They don't want that recorded. They only want the principal actors to be recorded. So you're just moving your mouth and pretending pantomime pantomime. I've gone through ridiculous things, having conversations with myself. And sometimes even afterwards, the the other background actor I'm partnered with, like, what were you talking about? They're like, oh, I was just going through the alphabet or like I was naming states. And (laughs) it can be interesting. Sometimes they'll want you to react to something big, but you only do that if you get direction from a PA or a second AD. You don't take your own lead as far as the scene goes, you want to follow what they need you to do in the scene. This is not your chance to shine. This is not your chance to be discovered. Do not do not force your way into the frame. You have to be cool. You definitely are not allowed to talk to the stars of the show. Glad you're bringing that up. Do not try not to even make eye contact with them, like depending on who they are and what their boundaries are. And it takes a while to understand, too, that this is not a snobby, like, oh, I'm not looking down on you, you lowly background actor. They're trying to focus and do their job. And sometimes, if they're doing something that's really emotional and really difficult, and they're trying to channel their child just died. Like this happened in Code Black a lot, like times where the PAs would come to us and be like, okay, this is a parent who just lost her child. So I need all of you to be pin drop silent. Don't even whisper to each other. Don't even, don't make a sound. And you want to take that direction. You want the show to be successful. Yeah. This is not your chance to get an autograph. This is absolutely not your chance to yeah. get a selfie. <laughs> don't do that. They they will likely pull you from the scene. If you make a big enough issue then you could even be banned from central casting which is a huge deal fired and fired fired from the set fired from set home and sent home and you don't get paid for the rest of the day which you could be counting on so then eventually as you're going through these scenes sometimes if they need to change a camera setup they'll send you back to holding just to get all as many people offset for that time as they can and usually your holding is in another part of the set or They may even send you back to base camp, but they typically don't do that unless they're like breaking for lunch and you'll go back and sit. And sometimes they don't even necessarily know how much they're going to get through in a day. They have a goal, but I've been on a set for like on Code Black, like when I was a regular, there was I remember one of the last times I filmed with them, I had a 16 hour day where I did not even make it on set and that was that really will wind you up and make you a little bit crazy like i brought enough stuff i had people i could talk to quietly you know in between filming but like my body got so sore and so stiff i was like trying to walk around but they didn't want you to walk around because that was picking up noise so it you just have to really prepare i Here, I always bring a camping chair because usually the chairs they provide to you are really uncomfortable, hard, and it's hard on my back. So I bring a rolling bag and a camping chair, and that's usually my background setup and lots of little snacks that I know that I can eat in case they aren't providing food. So here's the important thing to remember as background or
0: as any other job on set. Every single person on that set is there for one reason. Mm -hmm. And that one reason is to support the story being told.
1: Yes, it's so important.
0: And a lot of background actors forget that. If they are there to to just goof off, have fun, have an easy job, those kinds of things. You have to remember that the bottom line for why you're there is to service this story. Absolutely. And if you are taking away from anything else that is going to service that story, whether that's crew productivity Or an actor being able to give their best performance, you are taking away from serving that story and you are not there doing the job that you are supposed to do. So that's something that I just feel is so important for anyone on set, whether you're a production assistant, actor, background actor, any of those kinds of jobs. Make sure that what choices you make on set are serving the story that you're there to serve.
1: Exactly. And especially if you are someone that's seeking to get in the entertainment industry. You would want to understand and you would want as much respect and productivity towards your own project, if it was your personal project, if you're putting money into this and you really believe in art, even if it's something that you don't think is high art and doesn't reflect your thing. Like if you're I've done Disney Channel things where it's like we we all know this is not a this is a teen show that it's kind of a cash cow, like they're just getting whatever they want out of it it doesn't matter. You still need to be a professional and represent yourself as someone who takes this seriously. And and it's not to say that you, you can't have fun on set. There's definitely moments where I've made a lot of relationships and had a lot of fun with other fellow background actors or production assistants, or even like people within the other elements of crew. But you have to respect the process. And if you respect the process they'll respect you as well. And it's just, it's a really, it's a huge team effort. If one cog of the machine is not working properly, it shuts down all production and it slows things down and it costs money. And they're, they don't, they're not going to think twice about throwing you off of set if you're not supporting that. So when you're wrapped, you'll have to check back in with the PA. Usually there's a long line if they're wrapping everybody. And by wrapping, I mean, they're releasing you to go home and you're done for the day. There'll be a long line of people ahead of you. Sometimes you have to put your wardrobe back in. If you have special wardrobe checked out, you don't want to leave without any of that because they will hold your voucher and won't pay you until they get their items back. Then you just kind of go home for the day and maybe you'll be called back for the next day. Usually they'll tell you like when they're wrapping you out, but they don't always necessarily know. Sometimes the casting agency that puts you through will let you know if you're being worked the next day. Sometimes you'll be put on hold and you just can't book anything else for the next few days. If they have the ability, they'll try to book you on something else if they have some, you know, that's happened to me a couple times with Central. Once they get to know you and they know you're reliable and they feel bad that you're mm-hmm. cut from a day. I try to do that a lot as a casting director. You Can't always necessarily count on the money. So I think it would be good for Natalia to explain how you can find background work within Los Angeles. Finding background work is a hustle.
0: I don't want anyone to think that you just come here and magically all of a sudden have full-time background work. (laughs) You're probably going to have to hustle for yourself no matter who you are, unless you get one of those coveted regular (laughs) five-day-a-week background gigs on a television show, which are very rare. Very, very few people have those. So as we've said before, the, the OG, the McDonald's <laughs> background, the biggest one in Los Angeles is Central Casting. They do a very, very large percentage of the background casting in Los Angeles. They focus largely on television shows. They do a lot of the big network streaming cable shows here in Los Angeles, uh, SAG shows that you know will have a certain number of SAG spots in each episode they'll fill the whole rest of it with non-union. And Central Casting, uh, when you do register with them, probably is the agency that casts the widest net. Uh, we'll give you the most opportunities. Hi, everyone. So we've got a little update. It is currently June 9th, 2021. And as of now, Central Casting is taking new background actors. They're doing onboarding new background actor registration. So that's super exciting. They haven't been doing registration for about a year now. So there's finally a chance to sign up with them if you haven't uh, done so already. So the thing to do if you want to register with Central Casting is to go to their website, centralcasting.com. You'll click on Los Angeles as your location and then you'll find instructions for how to join one of their onboarding sessions. Now you have to sign up for a particular time online. They are opening up the dates for the onboarding three days in advance. So when you go to their calendar, you're not gonna be able to make an appointment for a month from now, not next week, it's three days in advance. So keep an eye on their website if you're interested in doing their registration. Now when you do the registration, you'll fill out all of your documentation. You have to make sure to bring all of the documentation that they require. They have all of that listed on their website And i do know that it does include i9 documentation so please be sure that you have that they will turn you away if you don't bring it and when you're there you'll do an orientation learn a little bit about what it's like to be a background actor and then afterwards you will take your photo now you want it to be a good photo that's the photo that can get you booked so you'll take your picture that picture goes into the central casting database And potentially, as soon as the next day, you could start working with them. So if you're one of those people who really needs a job right now, if you are finding yourself fun employed at the moment and you want to get some work in Los Angeles, you might get to work with Central Casting. Just compete with everybody to get those registration spots. So just thought you all would want that little update. One way that I highly recommend getting background work in Los Angeles that is workable now is there's a website called Casting Networks, and their specific Los Angeles website is called LA Casting. And LA Casting is mostly known for submissions for principal work, commercials, TV, film, all those sorts of things. But there's also background work on there. And that website, you can join virtually. You don't have to go anywhere to register. Now, just speaking from my own experience and seeing the ways that I've booked people through submissions on LA Casting, it's definitely harder to get background work through submissions on LA Casting than it is through Central Casting because the net is just so wide. But the wonderful thing about LA Casting is that you have access to a large number of casting directors and big casting companies, as well as smaller independent casting directors and companies, such as myself. Mm -hmm. I put almost all of the projects that I cast background for on LA Casting. So who knows if you've submitted for background (laughs) work before on LA Casting, you may have submitted to me at some point. Some of the big companies... That actually will put background work on LA casting include Jeff Olin, Rich King, Sandy Alessi, and Background Talent Services, as well as a large number of independent casting directors. Now, all of those casting companies that I've mentioned also have Facebook pages, mm-hmm. they have websites. Uh, Many of them will let you register for their database, even if you are not on LA Casting. So Google them, look them up, put them into your Facebook search. I know Sandy Alessi and Jeff Olin definitely will let you register. There's also another option that I want to recommend called Virgo Talent that does commercial background. Now, Virgo Talent for a long time was doing in person registration. So I don't know if they're doing registration now in pandemic times. A good thing to know though about Virgo Talent is that they do take a portion of your pay for booking you, mm-hmm. they take 10% of your pay. But since it is commercial background, it's often a higher pay rate than what you would get for central casting background. Mm-hmm. So that's just a good thing to keep in mind if you want to break into the commercial background world. Now, another option also is there are background listing services, which a lot of people call calling services. So those are companies that you'll pay a certain amount of money per month. Often it's between uh, $60 and $100. You give them your availability. And then that company will submit you to Central Casting and all of the other casting directors. So they'll find your work for you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The issue is there's no guarantee of work. Right. So there's a lot of people that will pay for these background listing services and then only work
1: four days a month or something like
0: that. So yeah. it, it really depends. If you're a bookable
1: type, it can be worth it. But if you are not, it might not be. It can get kind of risky I didn't think I would be a bookable enough type to be all around Los Angeles all the time. And I also didn't like that they will book you for almost anything. I had a friend, (laughs) my my regular background friend who's been doing it for like 10 years, uh, one time her calling service didn't look into enough detail and um, cast her as a background actor in a porno And she did not want to do that. She had it in her file that like, I'm not comfortable doing this. And they, the, the production itself was not clear with her calling service. And the calling service was super pissed about it. And she had to like leave that day too. And they just did not give her a heads up as people started to get naked. So sometimes with calling services, they are working with all sorts of different productions and production types. So you, You could be sent out to the middle of the desert with no cell service for a background gig rather than just like somewhere at a studio in town. Whereas Central is very clear about those things. And sometimes the calling services just are looking everywhere for work for you so that they can do their job. So I didn't like that unpredictability about it. So that was my reason.
0: And you feel obligated to take whatever they offer you. Yeah,
1: because you want to get your money's worth. So...
0: So, Kelsey, I want to hear from you. What do you think are the best parts of doing background?
1: So the best parts of doing background for me, especially doing background here in Los Angeles, is seeing how a set works, seeing how everything is set Mm -hmm. up being able to witness how everybody's working together as a machine. I learned so much more about the different roles on set than I had learned through my education in film acting in college. Like it's also seeing the most up-to-date things that people are doing because I feel like a lot of my education was kind of like this is an older terminology or like this role doesn't really exist anymore. So you can actually see how a television show is working. You get a feel for how a film set is they're completely different vibes too because a tv show they may be used to working together so everything's a little bit more smooth than like a film set where there's a whole bunch of people coming in for this one project but yeah just learning how to conduct yourself on a set what it means when a bell rings at a studio it means they're starting to roll film if you do want to go on and become an actor even a production assistant or anything on set when you get to that job, that dream job that you're trying to work towards, you're not going to be thrown off by how a set works. You will definitely understand. And and even honestly, for me, I just wanted to learn where the studios were and how to get in and out of them. So for eventually when I have auditions there, I'm not intimidated by like the map of a studio. <laughs> like for that practical reason, I wanted to do background there's a potential for getting sag vouchers and how sag vouchers work they've already cast as many sag union people to work background that day and they have some left over and they have to fulfill the number in order to be good with the union in order to fulfill that contract obligation, they will sometimes hand them out to random background actors who are non union. I've only gotten one. I know people who get like a bunch all the time and they're trying to skirt, joining the union, but I got one for Kong skull Island where on a movie, they require a lot more union background actors and they do on a TV show. I think it's only 20 for a TV show they need. Um, but for like a movie, if they need to have like, 300 background actors they need 50 union and that's hard to gather 50 union background actors for just like one gig one day all at once so I just happened to be a lucky person that got my golden voucher for that day it was very exciting and in order to join the union you need to have three or I think after if you get five union vouchers then you become a must join where the union is saying you can't get another union voucher until you join the union So that's really important to progress your career. It's very rare for you to get like a Taft-Hartley where they just pull you out and give you a line. Like that is so rare. I've only heard of it happening once on all of the background gigs that I've done. Also, just meeting people. I have made so many connections and networks with people that, and you can kind of get a vibe of people who are there to do it seriously. They're wanting to get in the industry rather than, just you know trying to find a gig i've also met people who were really cool that was like i got laid off my job on a there was a dude that was there for code black he had gotten laid off his construction job because the project was canceled and he just desperately needed to make money and so someone told him to go to central casting and There he was. It was his first day. He knew nothing about it. I was like, okay, number one, definitely don't talk or make eye contact with this actor. You will get in trouble, you know. So you can meet people from all different backgrounds, all different ages. And it's 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 really fun. Like if you want to meet people, I always did in Los Angeles It's a great way to do that.
0: Awesome. What would you say? What would you say are the worst aspects of doing background?
1: Worst aspects of doing background are definitely usually the lack of sleep. You have really early call times, especially if you're booked as a woman or female presenting. They're expecting you to do your hair and your makeup the best you can most of the time. And that means you're getting up probably an hour to two hours earlier than most of the men called that day. They're really long hours. The the longest I've worked on set, I believe was 18 hours on a big production set. Mm. And I, we were delirious near the end. And I was so grateful I wasn't booked again for the next day because I, I'd gotten there at 5. AM and I think I was finally released. I don't know if it was past midnight. I can't even remember exactly, but I know that I didn't see the sun. I literally didn't see the sun. I was inside all day. I got paid really well for that because I got time and a half after eight hours. And then after um, I think 10 hours, it's double time. And if you're union, you enter something called golden hour where you get paid for every hour you're kept longer. Is it 16 hours is when they do that? hours. Yeah. So if, if you're, yeah, if you're SAG and you're working background and they're still keeping you after 16 hours, every single hour they have to pay you a full day's pay. It's horrible. You're you're there for so long. But like, yeah, they tend to try to want to wrap those people quickly because then it gets very expensive to have them on set. Sometimes you're not treated the best on set. Maybe sometimes you are treated as a human prop. They forget to see you as actual people, you know, especially if it's someone super far from directing the background. Like I've worked on a set where a producer would just fire people because they looked at him funny or he would throw people off set. And it was really just to establish his dominance on set. Like I'm running this show. This is my thing. And what I say goes. And, and sometimes, yeah, you're not given a comfortable place to sit. Sometimes you're being held out in the sun. Sometimes you're being held in the cold. I've had a SAG union member, uh, call a representative from SAG to come down to set because they refused to turn on the heaters when we were sitting outside in 40 degree weather. And, you know, for us Californians, that's super, super cold. Sometimes it's uncomfortable just logistically with the people around you. Sometimes you're going to be around people who do not have the same opinions or political lining with you. During the election year, um, we moved here during the election year, and I was around a lot of people that I did not agree with politically, um, and hearing them talk about it was very uncomfortable and very frustrating, and I had a hard time doing that. And then just the mental toll, just mentally having to not get enough sleep, do a repeated action again and again, sitting around for a long time. Like it's it's not always very fulfilling. You don't feel like an artist if you're wanting to do that here. And it makes it really difficult and it can definitely affect your mental health. I know it has affected mine for sure. So those are probably the worst things of doing background that I've experienced. Thanks for sharing. What's your perspective on background since you cast it so much?
0: I want to preface what I'm going to share with stating that there are plenty of people who do background for fun and because they enjoy it. And I think that that is a wonderful thing. More power to you. If you love doing background, you do background. You have a good time. There are people who are career background, who are comfortable where they are, who are not pursuing acting, who just have a good time, enjoy the food. That's all wonderful. Go you. You do you. (laughs) Now, my main opinion is that if you are seriously pursuing acting – You should not do background unless you are really, really new to town and you want to see how a set works. In that case, do background, treat it as paid training, go enjoy a set, go see how everything works. That way you're prepared when it finally is your day on set. So basically my main opinion is background has some benefits but it does not make sense for people who are seriously pursuing acting to spend the majority of their time doing background. Now, if those people who are seriously pursuing acting really need the money or truly enjoy it, go ahead, do background. But the issue is that I have just seen so many people become so consumed with background that they forget about their craft and why they're actually in Los Angeles. I've just seen so many people fall into that trap because at its core, background is not going to be an upward trajectory job for a lot of people. If you continue to go into background day after day, year after year, you might one day get super lucky and get a line on set and that will jumpstart your career, but that is so rare. rare. It happens so, so, so rarely that I don't want anybody to rely on that. Yes, it can give you union membership. Yes, it could lead to stand-in work. But that alone is probably not going to move your career forward as quickly as working on your craft will. And if you are working long hours on set every single day as a background actor, you're not going to be able to keep up the kind of routine and discipline and uh, taking classes or networking, or doing shows that you probably would need to seriously keep on top of your craft. It's very, very rare that someone can do the schedule of a background actor and still be working at their potential as an actor. It's very rare. Think about it. When you're sleep-deprived, are you going to be working up to your potential? No.
1: You're not going to be writing anything. You're not going to be acting anything else. You're just trying to survive. Exactly. Yeah.
0: When your schedule is different every day, are you going to be able to keep up a class that happens every week? Nope. That That is the tricky thing. Yes, background can suck you in really easily. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to get to see stars on set every day. It's amazing to get to go to the studios and feel like you're a part of this big, beautiful production. But if you're really serious about wanting to move your career forward... Do not let yourself get trapped in that. Make sure that you always stay focused on your goals. Don't let yourself get held back by background acting. And furthermore, besides that, it's just so easy to get comfortable in background acting, to get used to that grind, to seeing your friends every day on set, to not having to buy your own groceries anymore. (laughs) Like you just get comfortable to that certain lifestyle, but you can get stuck. You can get stuck Mm -hmm. for years. Mm -hmm. Background is often such a hustle that you put so much energy into that hustle for background jobs that you have nothing left to hustle for your acting work. Yeah. It's bad form to put background work on a resume or IMDb. You're not building your resume. Yeah,
1: definitely don't.
0: You're you're making money and you're seeing the set counted as paid training, but it is not acting. It is not going to move you forward in your acting career, but it can be a wonderful thing. There there are people that do background once a week, once a Mm -hmm. month, things like that. I think that's wonderful. Even do it, do it every day if you want to. Just make sure that you're honest with yourself about whether you're pursuing the goals that you came here to move for. Now, that being said, I will be honest in my own casting work, I do try to give more audition opportunities to the people who have done background for me. I try to do that as a thank you. I have seen people on the independent productions that I work on get lines on set. However, you know, I I am happy to see someone who has done a lot of background for me tell me I'm not comfortable doing background anymore. I just want to audition for speaking roles. That's great. Mm-hmm that's great. Background acting will always be there. But I don't want anyone to hold themselves back for background. So that that's my that's my thought on background <laughs> acting. I just don't want to see it hold anyone back.
1: Well, and who do you think should do background?
0: I think people who are new to Los Angeles should definitely do background. It's an excellent way to see how a set works. I think people who want to network for crew work the way that Paul did, Mm -hmm. it can be a great way to make some connections on set. Or also just being honest, people who want an easy job. Mm -hmm. A lot of the time, background is pretty easy. Maybe you're going through a little bit of a rough time. Maybe you had a really challenging job and you just wanna take it easy for a little bit. It can can be a nice break for your mental health some of the time Mm -hmm. for certain people. People who are extroverts often really enjoy background because they're around so many people and they get to meet so many friends. I would also advise it if you are a union actor and you don't really want to pursue auditions too much, but you really want to make sure that you're going to keep your SAG healthcare. Uh, SAG background can be a great way to make sure that you get enough work to get your SAG healthcare. All right, let's wrap this let's up. Do it. Final thoughts. So, Kelsey, give me your final thought blanket statement on background.
1: Background is a great way to learn how set works to be a part of the process of Hollywood and the entertainment industry. It's not a career move for people who are wanting to create their own work and be part of the industry with their ideas and their talents, their own talents.
0: I think that's very well said. Thanks. I completely agree with that. Thanks. Thanks. Great. So we hope that this episode has allowed everyone to learn a little bit about background acting, evaluate whether background acting can be good for you. And if you're not even in the entertainment industry at all, just gave you a little look behind the curtain to see how the sausage gets made, I guess. <laughs>
1: the Hollywood sausage.
0: <laughs> yep. So thank you so much for listening. We'll be coming out with season two real soon. And we'll be kicking it off with an episode on the Oscars. So we're really looking forward to that.
1: Thanks for listening. Just a reminder, the content of this podcast is based on our own opinions and personal experiences and may not reflect the opinions and experiences of all Angelinos. Music by Leo Jackson. Artwork by Trevor D. Richardson, additional research by Natalia Raymond, and edited by me, Kelsey Ryder. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Angelinos in Training and on Twitter at Angelinos Pod. Want us to cover a specific topic about LA? Email us at angelinosintraining@gmail.com. at gmail.com.